And this edition of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetUS.com. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. This is a Blakely with the co-host, with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. How you be today, Kwani? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, just trying. Let me get my my correct grammar back on track. Yeah, I, said, I, I, be. I you know someone will be like, "This man can't even speak English." Can't even speak English. What are you talking about? Some how you be? <laughs> how are you doing today, Kwani Lunas? I'm doing quite well. <laughs> I'm doing quite well as well. Uh, Celtics are doing quite well. Uh, earlier this week, got the first uh, victory of the Ime Udoka era. Undefeated. Uh, Undefeated season, it all counts. First win, he was on the sideline, he got that dub. Uh, up next, they've got the Toronto Raptors, and that will be uh, the game itself. I mean, if we're being honest and real, um, you just want to see guys play, you just want to see what they can do. And with this being episode 44, uh-huh. and with a certain Robert Williams kind of leaving some question marks out there after his first game, um, it's only fitting that we kick things off talking about. <laughs> Robert Williams the third. This one's dedicated to you. What were, what were you the impression of him? You know what? We talked about him putting on a little bit of muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about just making sure that physically speaking, he's ready to bang with the, you know, the Andre Drummers of the world. But I'm hoping that first game out was just first game, get the kinks out. We're going to get better from here on out because he didn't look good at all. Uh, Rob, one of the, his greatest strengths is his ability to just f- flat out run the floor, finish around the basket. Rob missed more shots in that preseason game than I think Rob has missed like in damn three, four months. Then. Uh, 0 for 7. He made just as many shots as you and I did, Kwani, in yep. that first game. <laughs> that is never good when my stat line and your stat line and you and the NBA look identical. That is bad. We call that bad, bad, bad. Now, it's a preseason game. No one should be hitting the panic button. But I'm, consi- I'm, I'm concerned that he is going to take him a little bit of time to figure out how to be impactful with this new Rob Williams body. And, and that's uh, if you're the Celtics, you ain't got time for, for guys to just kind of figure out how to, to play with added weight or less weight. You need guys to just be able to play. Uh, that is some, a concern and certainly something when they play the Raptors, I'm going to be looking closely at to see how does he bounce back? Does he look more like the Rob Williams that we've seen who can go out there and get you like 10 points and take like six shots to do it? Or does he look like the dude that was 0 for 7 against, you know, in the, in the first game? Yeah, I'm not concerned at all. I, I'm with you. It's a preseason game. Obviously, that is a mini red flag. But maybe I think for him it's just getting readapted to the game at that high-speed NBA level, playing with this new roster. I'm going to give him a pass for this game. But like you said, bouncing back in the, the next game against the Raptors is going to be one where we can have, I think, a bigger – playing field when it comes to looking at what he's doing so far and really evaluate from there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not freaking out because the sample size is one meaningless Very in the well, grand right. scheme of things, preseason game, but you want guys to go out there and dominate. And, Absolutely. When, you, and when you talk about dominate uh, and you're talking Celtics, you look at what Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown were able to do both of those guys, you know, damn near had a point per minute played. Uh, no one told them it was still preseason because right. they were not treating it like that. Right. And, and they, they did the kind of things that you expect them to do. I mean, Jalen had 25 points and I think it was like uh, 26 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Jalen had, or excuse me, Jason had like 18 points in like 25 minutes, but was really efficient. Was 
uh, in, in terms of getting to the free throw line, which mm-hmm. is something that he's talked about. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but he was able to get to the line and was rebounding. Defense was solid, doing the kind of things that your best player should be doing in a meaningless preseason game. But the conversation tends to be when you talk about those guys, um, what are their ability to play well together? Can they play well together? Are they capable of being, um, you know, guys that can be complements of one another? And they've talked about that, you know, obviously the last few days, uh, just about their 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 bond. But but but, Kwani, I mean, does it really matter whether they they like BFFs or or, or or you know, in the grand scheme of things? It definitely does not, and that's the thing that I've been trying to harp on. We did our live pack podcast. If you missed it. Hopefully we'll have another one with Anna Horford. And we talked about the fact that someone actually asked in the crowd, like, does Jason and do Jason and Jalen need to be this dynamic duo? I don't remember the question, but the point that I made is that Nick, oh, we're talking about nicknames and how fire and ice came up. And I think that nickname, not, not that it even needs to be relevant, but I think it exists and makes sense because like we, we, when we watched that interview that they recently just did and we look at the way that they play on the floor, if one is hot, maybe the other one may not be on a streak as well, but the other one is usually doing something else that's helping the game stay at the pace that it needs to. And I think that's what you need when you have two superstars on this team, two very talented players. They don't have to be best friends. As long as they can get along on the floor, they can understand each other. It's always going to – it's like a coworker. You don't have to go out with your coworkers every weekend for you to work well at your job, sometimes it does help build that company chemistry. But if you can get along, you can work well, you can produce as they both want to. They've they talked about the fact that their goal together is to win. That's all you need on any team. So yeah. I'm okay with them not being best friends if that's not the case. Yeah, I I, I think they're 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 good friends, but I don't think they're yeah. like you know attached at the hip. But I I think it's telling that when Jason came back, you know, from the Olympics one of the first things he did was he connected with Jalen, um, yes. took pitches with the gold medal. Mm-hmm. And conversely, you know, when, when, when Jace or soon when Jalen, you know, opens up his, his business here in Boston, where there are a lot of players there, mm-hmm. almost every angle that you shot from that event, Jason Tatum was behind him. Yep. And, and, and to me, I, I thought that was just kind of symbolic of their relationship that, you know, no matter how you want to slice it, no matter how you want to look at it, they are going to be attached in some capacity and they have each other's back. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, having spent some time around, uh, you know, Jason's people out in St. Louis and having spent some time around Jalen's folks down in, in Marietta, Georgia, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that they are driven to make the other better. And yeah. I think sometimes when you're seeing that from the outside, you interpret that as, Ooh, they don't like each other because they don't, they, they're not like really, you know, boo, they're not booing up with each other and they don't have the bromance. That a lot right. of have. You don't need to have a bromance to have the ability to advance in the playoffs. Uh, they've shown their ability to play at a high level. They've shown their ability to work in sync with each other, to help this team go far. And now to me, the, the added layer to their growth is leadership and how are they going to harness that power, that energy, that focus that you need to be the front and center men of the franchise mm-hmm. and do so without stepping on one another's toes. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be that complicated for them, uh, but it's definitely something worth watching. And it, to me, it, it won't be a matter of them whether they get along or not. It'll be a matter of just whether they can figure out what the hell they need to do mm-hmm. in order to be great. And, you know, as as Brad Stevens always tells us, 
to be the best version of themselves when they play. So Jalen and Jason aside, who was another player that stood out to you in that first preseason game against Orlando? Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna stick with guys who stood out for the right reasons because there's there's some guys who kind of stood out. For oh, the okay, reasons. okay. But for the right reasons, I'm I'm going with Dennis Schroeder. Oh, uh, and here's why: <laughs> he did not shoot the ball particularly well in that game. Um, came off the bench, uh, was one for seven, and yet his he made an impact out there. He had the lob to, to Al Horford. He um, was defensively an annoying pest, which I love. Uh, he's He's got a lot of petty in his game, which I think is, is great when you're trying to establish an identity. And you don't have necessarily a roster that from top to bottom talent-wise is at the front of the line. They're going to have to muck up some games. They're going to have to be dirty, gritty, grimy, do the kind of things that scrappy teams we need to be using the word scrappy to talk about them because if they're being scrappy that means they're winning because that's the way for them to be successful when they don't have the kind of ammunition that some other teams have although you know that brooklyn team will and we'll talk a little bit more about them uh they may not be as 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 formidable a foe as they are on paper because of a certain former celtic which we'll talk about later but uh Bottom line, the Celtics have a lot of unique pieces that are going to have to play certain roles in order to be successful. And Dennis Schroeder, I think he's someone who has to understand that he may not be a starter, but he's got to play like he has to have a starter like mentality when he's out there. He has to feel and play with the confidence that he's one of, if not the best player on the floor. And confidence doesn't seem to be an issue for him. It's opportunity to be great. And he's going to get opportunities to be a great six man. He's going to play good minutes. Uh, and if you're pairing him out there with either Jason or Jalen, because I don't think we're going to see him out there with both Jays a lot. Uh, I think they're going to try to stagger their minutes so that you got one of them on the floor. And the one that's on the floor, that's the one I think that, you know, Schroeder is probably going to be looking for or that he's going to play off of that guy so he can get his own shot. But he, he's the one guy that I'm, I'm really excited about what he can bring to the table because I just think that he, he's got a lot of those qualities that you need to have in a guy off the bench if that second unit is going to be better than what we've seen in the past few years. So you did take my answer because I was looking at the positives. But since you mentioned it, I'll go with someone who stood out for the wrong reasons. And that was Josh. Wait, 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 Quan, are you going to go negative on the crowd? Yeah, I know. That's so unheard of for me, but I have to. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> Come on. I don't know what was going on with Josh Richardson. Again, I know we gave Robert Williams the excuse of adapting to a new team. Not a new team for Rob, but adapting to a new team, adapting to the way that the team plays the game. So I should give him a pass, but I was just very disappointed in his debut. Two points, same amount of minutes, if not less, a little less than Jason Tatum. And didn't really produce on the floor. Obviously, his shots weren't falling. And every time he had open looks, it didn't seem as though – I don't know if his his shot was just off that night or what it was, but I want him to be more productive on the floor. So I'm going to give him a little pass for the first game as well, but he's someone that I'm going to be grading in the game too <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah he, he was – the thing about, about Jay Rich is that, you know, he he's one of those guys that – He's not going to – He's. I think he's going to be feast or famine when it comes to shot making. I think he's yeah. going to be like one for eight, which he was in the first game. Or when they play the Raptors, you know, if he can bounce back and be six for eight, would not shock me. That's kind of how I, I see him as, okay. as a shooter. For me, it has to be his defense. That, that has to be his calling card every night, regardless of whether he's making shots or not. Because when that's not good, he's not good. 
he can still have not to me he's a very he's very much like Marcus Smart and from the standpoint of a guy who doesn't have to shoot the ball particularly well to have a good game for you he needs to be a little more locked in defensively I thought there were too many times where it wasn't where he needed to be defensively I thought he was getting beat uh off the dribble somewhat more than I anticipated uh that would be this this season so at that end of the floor he's got to be I think really solid uh and and shot making you know, to me, that's just icing on the cake when you talk about right. Jay Rich. So. It's not because, because the Celtics don't need that. That's not necessarily a top item, and he doesn't have to do that. But I agree that lockdown defense needs to be there if he's going to make the Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we go any further, shout out to BetUS.com. Uh, they Listen, if you uh, there's only one sports book that I endorse, and it is BetUS.com. It's America's favorite sports book, and it's been that way for over 25 years. They got it all. I mean, you want MMA, you want prop bets, you want horse racing, you want golf. They got it then and then some. Uh, and don't forget that there's a 200% bonus, sign-up bonus, uh, on your first deposit, and nobody in the industry can beat that. Up to 200% sign-on bonus when you Pumped in the code of BSJ. Keep it simple. Up to 200% bonus when you sign up. BetUS.com, where the games begin. And when you talk about games beginning, there's another game that's playing out <laughs> off the court. It's, we call it the hustle. Uh, but this is but but see here's the thing there's like the the there's the politically correct hustle there's the legal hustle and then there's the damn you got your hands caught in a cookie jar hustle and it's the latter hustle that we're going to be talking about and i'm speaking about specifically the former nba players who were indicted on fraud and as you start going through the list there's 18 people total one the 17 players i think there's one spouse of a player but there's a there's a trend that you notice with a lot of the players that are mentioned. And it's that at some point in their careers, some had a cup of coffee in Boston. Others had a damn pot and then some when Boston, I'm thinking specifically of, of Glenn baby Davis, who uh, oh, was part of that 08 team that won a title. Uh, and then you got guys like Tony Allen, Sebastian Telfair, Terrence Williams, who is allegedly the, the ringleader. What do those names have in common? <laughs> Yeah, and then, I mean, someone like like Milt Palacio, who's an assistant coach, who is now on administrative leave. No surprise. How do you think this is going to play out, Kwani? The thing about this story breaking leads me to believe that there is more fraud going on than we think, Mm -hmm. especially the way that it was such a shocker to NBA Twitter and shout out to NBC News for investigating and breaking that story. But the fact that, when you look at the numbers and we really break down the money they were making, it's really pennies to these players. So it leads me to believe like one, how were you so quite frankly, dumb enough to not only go about this, this fraudulent um, activity, because when the, the, they were breaking down the, the way that they did it and they were basically submitting the exact same dental um, scans Getting the, the same damn tooth extracted. The same tooth extracted at the same time. And it's just like, y'all could have done this a little better. Like, not that you should have been doing this at all, but the fact that it was so sloppy and they got caught makes me believe that if they were able to get caught doing something in this way, I'm curious to know what else is being done. And I've seen the 
argument made on Twitter. People were like, well, are we really mad at players for getting money from the NBA? And while I understand the points that people are trying to make of the fact that it isn't that much in the grand scheme of things for the NBA, it's still illegal. And so committing fraud is something that should always be looked down upon. But I'm curious as to how when it plays out these players, I read last the last time it was reported that most of the players had been arrested at that point. So I'm curious as to how this plays out. You have video of Big Baby on a plane talking about, this is old video, my, my money's legal, people are hating, and now you're getting caught with money that you did not, so you were not supposed to have. So th there's a lot of talking going on, and, and clearly now people are about to pay justice. It will be served. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and just, right. And, and just for folks who, who aren't clear on the story, just going to get a yeah. quick recap. I mean, basically... 18 uh, former players and I believe the spouse of, of one of those players mm -hmm. were, were charged uh, earlier this week for pocketing, I think it was like two, three million dollars of illegally defrauding the league's health and welfare benefit plan in a, in a straight up scam uh, where they basically they submitted uh, money for reimbursement for, for work That's that crazy. was never done. Yeah. Uh, to the point where you had players who were, you know, having the same root canals extracted mm -hmm. on the same teeth on the same day. Uh, I think there was one player who uh, had submitted, uh, you know, trying to, to, to get money back, who was out of the country playing basketball. At the time, he should have been, or alleged, or he uh, was supposedly getting, you know, work done. So it, it is, uh, it's, it's a bad, bad look for the NBA, particularly at a time when, you know, the NBA is celebrating his 75th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And, the last thing the NBA wants to do is to have to have conversations about stuff that ain't got a damn thing to do with basketball. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're thinking like, first we got the Kyrie Irving and, and just the, the reluctance to, to get mm -hmm. the vaccine and the domino effect of that. Mm -hmm. You know, then you've got, you know, every, every team is, is focusing and talking about that. And now you got, you know, former players who, you know, are, are, are just defrauding, you know, different factions of, of the NBA to the point where, now it has gone to it's a federal matter uh, where folks are getting arrested. And so Adam Silver's got to be thinking like, damn, see, fellas, seriously, seriously. Of all the, the of times all, to do of this. Of all the times for y'all to be, I'll be acting a fool. Uh, and, and this comes at a time when the league has, has uh, reiterated that they will not be testing for cannabis this year. Uh, so it's like the, so it's like Adam Silver's like, like damn, I giving you I'm giving y'all what y'all want. And all I ask y'all to do is just act right. Don't act. <laughs> keep us out of the news for keep the us wrong out of the news. Keep the focus on what we're doing on the court. And they just, yeah. they just haven't been able to do that. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because it will, unfortunately, for the NBA, get a lot messier. Uh, mm -hmm. Because to your point, Kwani, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some other folks that get caught out there or there may be an alternate hustle out there that yeah. gets exposed. Because, you know, these players, I mean, obviously, they could be looking to potentially have some jail time. And whenever that specter is out there, you're trying to figure out a way that you can get out of that or at min at a minimum cut down on the amount of potential time or fines that you might be facing. So we may say. see some of these players <laughs> drop some dimes on some folks that may be a part of this, this hustle that we don't know about yet. That's true. But you did mention the NBA 75th. They released a commercial. If you haven't seen it yet, it's definitely online. And I thought it was a really nice commercial. It, it had a a span of all the eras of as many eras as possible of basketball had some kids in it had Michael Jordan was in there. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. What did you think about the fact Wait, though, that 
You didn't you take a picture with him at, at the at a Celtics game years ago? I did. I did. I did meet my fellow New Jersey native. But you, you were acting as if he was like like none but just like just some dude that you just ran to. Yeah, because I, I it's kind of a big deal, and you were just like, yeah, whatever. But but then but that's Kwani. That's A list Kwani. That's what Kwani? A list Kwani. Oh, A list Kwani. But honestly, I wasn't raised. I know it sounds so. I'm not trying to sound like pretentious or anything, but I wasn't raised in a way where I like was a fan of a lot of people. So I think one that helped me in this industry because I don't really get starstruck as much. But I also really was just trying to play it cool because everyone else was drooling over him and i was like i'm not gonna do that i'm sorry i remember that day because i was yeah. thinking like, Damn, they got to get the mops out because there's a lot of saliva was, all up on this floor yeah. like, oh. and again no shade to people that were like are, he's a very attractive man but it's like i don't know i just i think i'm at a point where i when i see a bunch of women going after one guy i'm just like mm, i'm good it's just wow. i'm not doing that but all of that being said the actual michael jordan wasn't in the commercial why do you think that was? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there's a there's a lot of you know conspiracy theories about that. You know, maybe Michael didn't want to be in there because you know Scottie Pippen was in there, or maybe uh, maybe Isaiah Thomas pulled a little little reverse uh, where Michael kept him out of the Olympics, so maybe Isaiah was keeping him out of this commercial. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, to me, it it really did ring a little bit hollow when arguably one of the all-time greats, certainly on, I think, the Mount Rushmore of almost everyone's, mm-hmm. you know, greatest NBA players ever, yeah. is inconspicuously absent. Yeah. Uh, maybe it could have been something as simple as a scheduling conflict. Who knows? But it doesn't take away from the fact that when you think about, you know, the NBA celebrating 75 years and you start thinking about the all-time greats, it doesn't. You don't have to go too far in the Rolodex to, to pull up Michael Jordan's card yeah. uh, as as one of those guys. Uh, I, I was a little disappointed. I, I was. I would like to have seen Jason Tatum in that commercial. He was in there. He was in was there. He? Yeah. It was a. Ve- it was a quick edit. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad of an edit. But I, he was towards the end. He was walking, and the kids are getting off the bus. He throws a ball at a little girl as she's walking off the bus. So he was in the commercial. But See, may- but I wanted him to have a role like Zach Levine. Like, Zach Levine catches an alley-oop. Does right, right. Just kinda, it would have been nice to see Tatum just, you know, shoot a step back three or something. Mm-hmm. Just, just do something that acknowledges that you're not just some dude who's... who's to me, <laughs> Jason Tatum was like that extra on the movie. Yeah. Show, where, like, mean. if you didn't watch it closely to the absolute bitter end... You may not see him because I didn't see him. Okay, I watched most of it, and I, I I think it was like maybe a minute and a half, minute twenty five, yeah. and I I just I went like, after like a minute. I'd seen yeah. enough after a minute, and Tatum wasn't there. Yeah, um, he should have been a little earlier, I think, in some capacity. To your point, like where it seemed a little more significant, but it is good that they had him in it. But I like I'm back to the Jordan thing. I'm not trying to like harp on it too much, but I'm curious as to. Like, was the Michael B. Jordan part of driving the bus supposed to be the joke? That's, what, that's the part that really throws me off. I'm like, you literally hired a guy who has the same name to drive the bus. And to be honest, it would have been really funny if at the very end that you had Michael B. Jordan driving the bus and know, then he and picks up Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, something. You could you could have absolutely played off of that. But, I mean, it could be something. That's, yeah, I mean, I, it's, 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 it, felt a, it felt a little incomplete to not have Michael Jordan yeah. As part of that conversation, because when you talk about just the elevation of the NBA to mm-hmm. where it is now, Michael had a huge hand in that. Uh, not only his play, but his swagger, the mm-hmm. way that 
he really put just the whole you know shoe and apparel game on notice. Right. It still has not given up to this day. <laughs> right. He was. A, I mean, my, when I think about like shoes, I mean, obviously you had Magic and Bird, and they had their whole Converse thing. But it wasn't until Jordan came out with his shoe line, everyone had to have Jordans. Everyone had to have people Jordan. have been murdered for Jordans, which is people not cool. People have been jacked up, murdered, shot. Uh, kids <laughs> have been saving up, you know, pennies and you know, hustling to 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 sell candy in you know their school to get them some Jordans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I and I. I, I can speak from firsthand experience. That's what you do when you try to be trying to get them Jordans because they were expensive. Exactly. They were not cheap. Uh, and and Mama wasn't trying to pay for no Jordans. But if you could, well, Mama still could, not trying to pay for Jordans for me. No, no, especially not now. Daddy ain't trying to pay for Jordans either. So I, it it just it just it just didn't feel complete to have that kind of conversation to have a commercial like that, and you don't got MJ in the building. Yeah, I, I need someone to do some digging on that story because it's not adding up. No, at all. At all, but I tell you what's starting to add up a little bit is the number of NBA cities that are starting to really kind of step up their vaccine mandate game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Los Angeles has become the latest city joining San Francisco and joining New York as far as cities that have put in really strict, uh, rigid uh, vaccination uh, mandates. And and you know the thing about LA is it's funny because even though the city has these stricter uh, you know guidelines that will take effect, I believe it'll be. Uh, in about a month or so, the actual Staples Center is under a different, they're operating under a different set of rules as far as players from, uh, that come into the Staples Center. Like, you don't like the rules that are in place for folks in the city of LA do not, are not different folks who are coming in for NBA games. And so, So the Staples Center, I mean, I don't think you're going to see a significant impact when it comes to, you know, the the vaccine mandate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, no matter how we try to kind of pivot away from that and start talking more about basketball, we can't do it because the elephant in every NBA room is Kyrie Irving and his reluctance to get the vaccine and the domino effect that that's going to have. And the more this thing drags out, you know, there are so many different principal partners that are going to be negatively impacted by Kyrie remaining in a position that he's in. I mean, think about it. James Harden is going to have the option of re-upping with the Nets, and he's been he's been kind of kicking that 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 can down the road a little bit. And if Kyrie doesn't play this year, do you? That's going to hurt your chances of him coming back. If you are looking at someone like Nike which recently announced that all their employees are going to be vaccinated. He's one of Nike's biggest moneymakers. Isn't that sort of kind of a conflict? Like all your staff. And again, again, I know he doesn't work for Nike per se, yeah. but they're making his damn shoes. And, and he's, he's had problems with Nike in recent months as well. So that right. might, that could easily get cut off. If right. It escalated. And, right. And, and so, Nike could potentially see a hit financially if, if this drives out. And then you start looking at the roster. You start looking at Brooklyn Nets and their chances to win a title. That w- There's never a clear and undeniable window of opportunity to win a championship. If he doesn't play this year or he misses significant time this year, it shrinks that window somewhat. And so then all of a sudden, you've got teams being impacted. You've got your shoe company being impacted. You've got, you know, your there's so many different principles involved in this that could be impacted negatively by you stick, sticking to your stance. And I, I, to me, ultimately, it's like, 
is it really worth it? I mean, is, is it re- does it really mean that much to you, Kyrie, to not get vaccinated? And if it does, are we looking at Kyrie setting the stage for an early retirement? Because that is something that has always low-key been out there that, that folks have thought about. Because when you think about how his approach to the game, and and, and, and not from a basketball standpoint, but just his approach to, to engaging with teammates and, and, and players and media and all that stuff, he's always been a little different than most. And the fact that you could be as good as he is and retirement could potentially be out there sooner rather than later, no one should be surprised by that. Yeah. No one. Disappointed, yes, because he's such an incredible player and you love to see him play for many, many more years. But would anyone seriously be shocked if Kyrie said, you know what, I'm done. It's a wrap. In the most recent ESPN article actually outlined that fact. And you look at even last season when he just disappeared off the face of the earth, but didn't tell his boss, so to speak, that he needed some time off. And to your point, I think that really does, it's going to have a huge impact on the season. When you have Katie saying, I envision Kyrie being on this team. I saw jokes on Twitter like, oh yeah, just like the concept of Kyrie could exist, but the physical man may not be on in practice with us. The fact that they were even considering practicing outside of Brooklyn to accommodate them but I'm glad someone in that organization was like, no, all of our facilities, all of our offices, and you know the things that we need to perform are in one place. There's no need to uplift everything for one person. And Kyrie has his reasons for why he doesn't want to get vaccinated, but I don't think, and I don't, I would hope he doesn't expect that this team is going to be as inconvenienced as they already have for the sake of him. And if that means him having to retire or I even read maybe getting traded to a city where they would they don't have vaccine mandates. It's still not going to work out because you look at him come if you were to come back to play in Brooklyn or try to play in the Staples Center. It, it a lot of it's pointing to it not working out for him. So I am just very curious as to what is going to be the result of this saga because as of now it's going to be something that even if we're in Boston, but we're going to hear about it and talk about it every single day until there's a resolution because it affects every single other person in the league at Nike, whatever is affiliated with him, it's affecting them in some way. Yeah. And and the, the thing with, with, with Kyrie is that, you know, there's a part of you that respects him taking a stance. Um, but that when that stance comes at the expense of so many people on so many levels, you, you have to ask yourself, is it really worth it? Right. And, you know, I, with, with the whole Kyrie saga, I think back to media day this year with the Celtics and and Marcus Smart was asked about that question. And I I thought Marcus gave one of the more real truth telling uh, responses to that. And and some people, you know, didn't think he said anything, but when Marcus Smart opens up by saying, you know, no one likes the idea of being told what they can and cannot put in their body. I thought at that point he was speaking for himself clearly, but I thought he was speaking for a lot of folks who aren't crazy about taking this vaccine Mm -hmm. and Marcus ultimately said, you know, he didn't want to be a distraction to the team. He didn't want to be in a position where he would be missing games, which would impact the team. And then all of a sudden it becomes a season long story that everyone has to cover, but doesn't want to kind of like what's happening right now with Kyrie. Kyrie has verbally said he doesn't want to be a distraction. And yet everything he's done has been just that it creates a lot of uncertainty among your teammates. It creates a lot of doubt and uncertainty among, you know, just the, the NBA as, as a whole. And it, it frankly, it it puts you in a position where you have, in effect, you, you've held your team hostage. 
you've held the league hot. The league cannot go about its business in normal lead up to the season fashion because you are reluctant to get the vaccine. And to your point, Kwani, when you mentioned, you know, Katie's talking about, I envision that he'll be part of the team. I mean, it's just like, hell, I envision that there's going to be a stack of 20s in a big fat envelope in front of me right now. I don't see it. It, Can it be here tomorrow? Maybe. I envision it being here tomorrow, but there's no guarantee it's going to be here tomorrow. There, The uncertainty that Kyrie has injected in that franchise is scary because when you think about what they have invested from a financial standpoint to bring him, James Harden, Kevin Durant together, and for that talented triumvirate of players to potentially not be together for an extended run, that's scary. And you you touched on the practice thing, Kwani. That's the one thing, I don't care how good you are as a player, there has to be a certain level of chemistry that you work on and you develop. And if you're missing half of the season and you're not playing at home, and, and again, we're talking, we're, we're being very, you know, um, conservative in saying that he's going to, he would miss half the season because if he has a sore ankle or sore knee or some type of health related issue, that could cost him some time. That potentially means you miss even more games. And at that point, it's like, I'm playing max money for a guy who's going to be here less than half the season. And that brings me to the other point. Quinn. I, wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about as far as like trade value. Is that some? Is he someone that you would trade for? And I'm thinking about Ben Simmons in Philly specifically. But would you try to put together a deal if you're Brooklyn to get Ben Simmons? And if you're Philly, would you be open to the idea of getting of trading Ben and getting Kyrie in return? Dang, that is a tempting trade offer. Which team am I? Am I Brooklyn or am I Philly? Pick, <laughs> pick your team. Pick the, your team that you think should do that deal, and and and, and why? Why do you think they should do that deal? Well, it's a no-brainer for Brooklyn. Obviously, Philly is a team that would have the hesitation. Kyrie is a huge risk when it comes to whether or not he's going to show up to practice, whether or not he'll even want to play in Philly, which is close enough to New Jersey. So I could argue that maybe he would consider it if he had any say. But for Brooklyn, that makes a lot of sense. You have a player that, yes, does have some work to be done with his game, but is clearly motivated to play somewhere else. Very talented person. Put him with KD and James Harden. I'm curious to see how they would help develop his game too. I mean, if I'm Ben Simmons, I would love to play with those two and really develop my game and, you know, get rid of all the skeletons he's had in Philly. So it does seem like a decent fit. Obviously, logistic-wise, I don't know if it would work out, but if I'm Brooklyn and the money works out, then why not make a phone call? So you you think Brooklyn would be the winner if they made that, that deal? If, if we're talking about a still TBD Kyrie Irving who decides either he's not going to get vaccinated or not practice, it, it I know it's a risk, but it, the risk you're taking is, is Kyrie going to be able to play this season or am I going to have a other a solid body that is actually going to be on this roster? Because right now Kyrie's an unknown. So the logic for me is, Someone that might play or someone that will definitely play. Okay. And I'm going to go with the Ben Simmons would definitely play in some capacity as long as he's obviously healthy. Right, right. I I, I want to go with Ben and, and Brooklyn would be the better deal. But here's the thing about Ben. Um, he is a tremendous, talented player, uh, a well-deserving all-star. But he has a flaw that – 
as he plays will ultimately get exposed the deeper you get into the postseason. And that is, he does not want to be that guy in crunch time. And Brooklyn gives him the shake. He doesn't have to be that. He doesn't have to be that guy in Brooklyn. And I still think that even if he's not that guy, at some point you're going to have, you're going to need him to do something that makes him uncomfortable. And can Mm. he put whatever his concerns and, and reservations behind long enough to be whatever they need him to be that's that takes him out of his comfort zone. Uh so I'm rel- I'm a little bit hesitant to do that if if I'm Brooklyn even knowing what Kyrie could potentially be available not be available because as great a talent as I think Ben Simmons is I, I think just his I think you have to question his mental toughness when he is showing concern and apprehension about laying up a damn ball or dunking a damn basketball in a deciding game because he's afraid he's going to get fouled. That is a serious, serious flaw. And I'm not convinced surrounding him with Kevin Durant and James Harden is going to fix that. I still think that now I give Ben Simmons credit. He's talented enough to where it's not going to be a night in night out issue. I, I have absolutely no doubts that more times than not, it won't come into play. But when you get deep into the playoffs, when you get to the NBA Finals, where you have teams that have the ability to not shut down Kevin Durant or shut down James Harden, but make things a little bit tougher for them than it normally is, and they need that that valve, that escape valve, that one player that can create some things, that can loosen a, de- a defense up or, or uh, ignite their defense. Ben has the talent to be that guy, but I don't know if he's got the temperament. That, to me, makes me a little bit leery of if i'm brooklyn to pull the trigger on something like that because again you brooklyn that team is being built to win a title and you need to have guys who are locked and loaded with that as their mentality and as talented as again as ben simmons is i'm not convinced that from a mental standpoint he's tough enough to be there when they need him most and if you're philly you know you've seen what that looks like you saw what it looked like in the playoffs and you know Kyrie is such an unpredictable type of player would anyone be shocked if he just decided at the very 11th hour that you know what i'm gonna get this vax and i'm gonna play i'm a ball out it would be very Kyrie like to just catch us all completely off guard with that and if you were if you're philadelphia and you make a trade for him and he comes over to that side of thinking oh my oh my they become an extremely talented <laughs> team extremely motivated team and you better believe Kyrie is going to use being traded to Philly as motivation and then some when they play Brooklyn oh and and as as great a defender as I think Ben Simmons is Kyrie is one of the most difficult players in NBA history to defend in a one-on-one situation because he's got such great handles he can finish at the rim and he has throughout his career steadily improved as a shooter and when you've got a player with that type of skill set and you sprinkling in a little bit of added motivation, that becomes a tough, tough cover. And and obviously the elephant in the room with that team would be Joel Embiid, who is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. There's no one in the East. So you've got two guys who are unstoppable on your roster. And you're playing a team in, in Brooklyn, potentially, that has obviously Kevin Durant and James Harden, who are right in that same conversation. And then you got Ben, who, again, very talented, but has a clear and undeniable weakness. And it will make for a hell of a series. Uh, I know I will be, I will have my popcorn out ready to comp away watching that bad boy. But uh, again, a lot just depends on whether 
I think Brooklyn is willing to go down that road because there's, there's so many potential um, potholes that they could come mm-hmm. across and not even talking about, you know, how Kevin Durant and James Harden would feel about that. Um, because if it ever got to the point where they were seriously looking to move, you better believe that Kevin Durant will, will co-sign in that. They're not going to do something like that if he doesn't want them to do that or he doesn't know about them doing that. He would not be happy about that either. So that's, no. a, I mean, it makes you think though. That's a trade that I, I definitely am like, the wheels are turning. Obviously we don't get paid enough to have to think like that, but it is one that makes you think. <laughs> I don't, you might, I don't, I don't you get, get paid, paid enough to, to think like that. No. Nah. Make trades. Oh, oh. No. <laughs> I was no. like, dang, maybe I need the, the stack of money to, to be outside my door then. <laughs> now, if it were outside my door, that's different because then right. they're paying me for that. Right. They pay me for that. <laughs> so anyway, um, good podcast, good podcast. But obviously, you know, this is not the only thing that we do. Kwani, you've always got something going on. I do. Um, <laughs> all, so, what's, so what's the latest with NBC 10? Yes, Local Lowdown, if you didn't hear me talk about it, it's us running around different neighborhoods, figuring out what people that do live there. So our next stop is Roxbury. So that should, yeah, I haven't shot it yet, but I'm going to be in Roxbury. So if you do think of places that you think I have to go to, shout me out on Twitter and just tag me and give me a spot to go to. But I've got some really good recommendations so far. So that should so, be fun. Now, when you're going to places, what are, you, what are you looking to do as far as gathering content for that? So I usually pick, obviously, food is the easiest one. Like I've like we started with Alston. We had two restaurants, but then we actually went to a record store and browsed through some records and saw what they had there. And for every city and neighborhood, I just want to find unique things. Like whether it's a spot that everyone goes to or the bookstore that's underrated because it always has a bunch of gems or even a thrift shop that always has affordable, cute styles, whatever the case may be. Literally anything in that neighborhood that stands out and that I would say defines who or what the people that live there do, I would think of that place as worthy of spotlighting. Yeah, nice. Okay. Okay. I can rock with that. Thank you. That. What about you? I know you have a thousand jobs as I say every single Oh, <laughs> yes, 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 I do. Uh, bulletin.com. I will be uh, just putting some new content out there about the Celtics looking ahead to the Toronto game, probably focusing on Rob Williams a little bit and, and maybe getting to a little bit of Kyrie Irving, but uh, Rob Williams will be kind of the focus of that. Cause obviously dude was over seven in the first mm-hmm. game. And I don't know if Rob has gone like a month missing that many shots uh so uh, i'll be doing that and also uh stuff for bleach report uh we're actually we're going to be coming out with our top 50 list uh that should be coming out fairly soon in the next few days so definitely uh pay attention to that and i will be doing some individual breakouts of some of the players on that list and uh spoiler alert marcus smart is in the top 50. Um, yes spoiler alert right there uh there's some other guys um that you'd be Surprise, well, make, make the list. So, oh, okay. Well, the people argue about those lists all the time. So, I'll look forward to that argument on Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and just, you know, the usual stuff uh, teaching at BU, uh, dealing with the, the next generation of knuckleheads. Uh, <laughs> most of them I like, some, they are who they are. <laughs> no, I love all my kids. But uh, that that's kind of it for me. Uh, so, you know, it's just staying busy, active. Oh, and also uh, writing columns for Ebony. Uh, I've got one coming out fairly soon about uh, Candace Parker who, and the, the, the gist oh. is that basically we need to give Candace Parker her flowers while she's still balling hard. 
Absolutely. Um, let's not wait till like 10 years from now. Like, man, back in 2021, Candace was really finishing her career off nice. Let's give her her props right now when she's in the midst of just being just the ultimate badass in the WNBA. I am very much looking forward to her WNBA finals appearance because whew, that girl could ball. <laughs> I mean, had a near triple double in, in the deciding yeah. game. Uh, and even though she obviously isn't isn't playing at the level that she was, you know, eight, nine, ten years yeah. ago, Candace still is still kind of nice. Right. Still kind of nice. And the thing that I, I noticed about Candace, and it just makes me ill, is that Candace looks so much like she did 10 years ago. Yeah. By the time. All the time is like in the closet, like Candace, when you gonna let me out? She's right. like, I'm, I'm still balling. I lost I'll, let you, I'll let you know when I'm done balling. Uh, it, it's amazing yeah. how she's been able to just really take her game uh, and elevate women's basketball, but also elevate herself on so many different levels. And and you know, I, I love the commercial out now where they talk about you have Derrick Rose and you have you know some other athletes talk about you know this person was two-time national player of the year and then at the end you realize they're talking about candace uh who you, you start looking at her resume it is i mean there are some folks who have resumes that look like they would make for a nice like book she's got a damn library of, mm -hmm. of, of content that shows what she's been able to do both in the WNBA as well as overseas and obviously you know in college was just an incredibly dominant player at Tennessee so um I'm a, I'm a big Candace Parker fan big fan same I'm rooting oh. for her now exactly. <laughs> I was rooting for her before but like I'm not gonna lie I was kind of rooting for the Connecticut Sun in that series it was a fun series but then Connecticut clearly couldn't get it together. There's they no way. Yeah, they couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle <laughs> that. Now it's all about Chicago. <laughs> it's all about the sky. Sky. So, well, Kwani. Another, another podcast one, in the books. Another one in the books. The Robert Williams edition, episode number 44 in the books. Love it. Love it. Love it. Another shout out to our good friends at betus.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the A-List podcast if you haven't already. And what else we got, Corny? That's a wrap on the Robert Williams podcast. We'll be here next week. Yes, we will. For Corny A. Lunas, this is H. Rob Blakely. Thank you for checking out the A-List podcast. And we will see you and hopefully you will see us 